Hello and welcome to Sports Talk, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and over the next number of weeks I'll be interviewing a broad range of sports stars and personalities in a nice, relaxed and casual format. Our show is sponsored by the fantastic Medell Healthcare and we would like to thank them for their continued sponsorship even in these difficult times. This week's guest is a stadium announcer, broadcaster, journalist, basically a man of many talents. It's Declan King. For a lot of people who would have went to rugby matches and soccer matches, so we'd say Lansdale Road first and then the Aviv and Crow Park as well, they would have heard your dulcet tones. You were the stadium announcer there and then obviously the RDS for the horse show. But life for you began way before that radio. I came from a sporting background, um, Denise. My, my mum and dad were heavily involved at home firm. And I was brought to my first home farm game in a pram at six weeks old. And that's how my sporting life started. I then played with home farm. Uh, I went on then. We, we lived in Phippsborough. So naturally, I was a Bohemians fan, as, as, as you know. And then I went on to play rugby in school. I played Gaelic football in, in school. So I, my sport... My life was sport, and I was very fortunate that my dad, Martin, and my mom, Ina, were, were so interested in sport, and my uncle, Fred, then brought me into home farm. So it's, you know, it, it, it wasn't any surprise that I would get, but never would I have dreamt. And, and I often say, when I was a boy, I had a dream. I did have a dream that I wanted to be involved in sport. I wanted to be involved in music. And I got the opportunity to do all of those things. So it's incredible to get the opportunities that you had to dream about. You are a man of belly talents. You've done the DJ. You've obviously read sports news, but you still write for the star. You cover back. Yes, I do, yeah. I'd be one of the longest in the star now with the likes of uh, Jimmy Callum and Kieran Cunningham and Paul Lennon and, and those. We'd be kind of there pretty pretty much a long time. And and they're great people. I love the star. I absolutely love the star. Uh, I've got I've got a great uh, relationship with Dave Cochran. And uh, you know, it's it's great that that's, that I get the opportunity to do a bit of writing. And funnily enough, before I had my voice box paralysis, I used to do a series in the star called Death and King when there were kings. And I did hundred and fifty weekly um series of those with with people from every sport like all over so again they've given me a huge opportunity to do things as well how did the stadium announcing come about i'll tell you how that came about this this is quite a funny story i was working in the old pirate radio stations um, way back in the, the 70s, 80s. And I was in Sunshine Radio. Yeah, when I was a young lad, yeah. Yeah, innocent young lad, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was in um, Sunshine one Saturday afternoon um, with my co-presenter, Tony King, who's Tony Plunkett, who ironically was the stadium announcer of the FAI. So anyway, we were in there and we were doing our Saturday sports programme. And there was a knock at the door and it was a big tall guy. I always remember this about six foot six, six foot seven. And he introduced himself as Michael McCormick uh, of Cholester Basketball Club. 
And I said, oh, what can I do for you? He says, would you mind mentioning that we play games on a Saturday? And I said to him, well, look, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But would you do me a favour? Would you write out all of the the uh, different games for the weekend? Because I don't want to be just giving cholesterol and then somebody comes along and say, you know, you didn't mention Neptune or you didn't mention Marion or whatever it was. And and we became friends. He invited me to a game. Uh, we... I went to a few different games, and, and then he said to me, yeah, would you like to announce the games? And Denise, I had no idea about basketball, okay? No idea. Put me on soccer, put me on rugby, put me on Gaelic football, hurling, they're grand, no problem, no problem. But basketball, I knew nothing. So I started off in 1982 doing basketball games. And I was doing college games all along. All of a sudden then, they, it, we were doing it differently to anybody else. We had Razzmatazz, we had, you know, the American style music, we had Chicago Bulls intro music. We had, we did a lot of stuff because I was from that kind of background where I, I would be looking at things to promote things and, and we did all that sort of stuff. And uh, then one of, my, one of my good kind of friends over the years was Bernard Burn. And I knew Bernard from the time he set up Belgard Athletic uh, Football Club. And then he went in, he was the top guy in the AUL. And he came along to me one day uh, and uh, with a friend of his, that we'd love to go along to a basketball game. So I invited them down to a game. And um, this would have been into the 90s now. You know, we've, we've, we've drifted. And um, this, after, this day, himself and... Uh, Michael Bean were at the game, and at halftime during the men's game, Bernard came over to me and he says, love what you do, wants to talk to you. And I said, mm, okay, fine. He said, um, i let you get on with what you're doing, and I'll give you a ring on uh, Monday. Now, at that time, I wasn't heavily involved. I was still doing bits and pieces of radio and uh, I would have been in, I think, maybe in 98 FM at the time. And, um, you know, yep, I, was, I was doing the, the, the basketball, yeah, I was doing the cups for basketball Ireland and everything like that. But anyway, he, he, he rang me and he says, straight to the point, Declan, would you like to be the stage of announcement for the FAI? And that was the conversation. And if you know Bernard, you know Bernard, he's yes. very quick, he's very straight. Um, and that was it, would you like to be? And I, I asked him what was the situation with um, the stadium announcer that was there, and he told me that he was actually giving it up because he, his business was, he was very, very busy. And, and I checked with Tony, and Tony confirmed that that was the story. So that's how I started, uh, 1996. And my first game was Ireland and Iceland. And who was making his debut that day? Kevin Kilban. So we have something in common that he made his debut and I made my debut against Iceland in 1996. When you think of the games that you did um, cover or announce in Lansdowne, you probably had better opportunities. Was it, was it different or was it better than, than covering the games? Uh, yeah, I, I really got to enjoy it. Now, I suppose the fact that I was doing something similar in basketball, 
it wasn't a huge difference, except that you were going from a few hundred people to, what, 30,000 people at Lansdowne at the time. So, yes, it was it was completely different. Um, now, it wouldn't have been anything like it became later on. Um, I was in a kind of a room up behind the goal. I wouldn't have been on the pitch. Uh, which which I was for the rugby soccer and and, and things, but but it was it was fantastic uh, again as you said an opportunity to talk to people like for example Paul Dempsey and I became really close friends at the old Lansdowne Road George Hamilton and I became very close friends because we used to have a meeting uh, George. Uh, was doing it obviously for RTE. Um, Paul was doing it for Sky, and and we'd be there, and and you know we'd we'd go through all the pronunciations because the the nightmare for a commentator or for a uh, an announcer is pronunciations. So I was always there plenty of time beforehand, and I'd have gone through everything phonetically with the guys from whoever it was, whether it was Andorra or whether it was Czech Republic or whoever it was. So we'd have got that. And then George, uh, Paul and myself would go through everything together so that it, it all sounded the same. And, and yes, it, 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 was, it was great. I met fabulous people. Uh, I met players. Um, I had the opportunity to meet public relations people from countries all over the world. And, and it was great. It, it was an amazing experience to be able to do something like that. I know you as a, a big man City fan. And I remember one of the pictures you had up was when you got to meet uh, Roberto Mancini. This was, for me, one of the great, as, as you know, I, how I followed Manchester City was as a, a 13-year-old, um, we, I was with Home Farm and we went over for um, a tour at Easter to Blackpool. And we went over on those um, cattle boats at the time, you know, because I'm showing my age now. Um, but we went over and uh, we went to Everton. We didn't go to Liverpool. Uh, we went to Everton, we went to Blackpool and we went to Manchester City. Now, my dad would have been a kind of the United fan, okay? And when I came back, I I had all my Manchester City gear that I was out to buy in the shop, and I was on cloud nine, having having met players and being at the training ground and everything like that. And that's how I that's how I became a Manchester City fan. And to this day, um, Denise, if if I were to ring Rebecca Firth, who was my my friend in Man City. And look for a ticket. I will get a ticket. That's the relationship that I built up over the years. I remember being at Main Road when we were playing in the old division two, and there'd be still thirty thousand people at the game. So, yes, you know the journey that Man City made, and remember, like for years, the relegations and that, and oh, yeah. you know, suddenly, like I would remember it, you know, kind of coming on, and then obviously Niall Quinn was was the big thing because when I was growing yeah. up, I'd always check and see an Irish player and how they were. Yes. Yes. Obviously, look and see. Liverpool, Celtic were the two teams I would follow, but I'd always have a check and see. And there was also something about Man City, and my mother loved Niall Quinn. So well, I, I, I remember um, 
well, Calester, because I stayed involved and I'm still involved with Calester, but um, they were playing in a pre-season tournament in Cheshire. And uh, Elizabeth, my, my daughter, who you'd, you'd hear me talking about quite a lot, was a big fan, lives in America now, but um, they, they, she went with some of her friends and they went on, on this tour. And while um, they were at one of the matches, I said to myself, gosh, City are playing Sheffield Wednesday. I'll go to that. And I went and I was standing at the players' entrance and Niall Quinn came along. And he was chatting to everybody and I told him who I was and uh, I explained to him, you know, working in radio and so on and so forth. I'd never actually met him. And... To this day, I'll never forget it. They were players at that time wore blazers and shirts and ties going in to the games. And Niall took off his tie and gave it to me. And I still have it. I suppose the fact as well that you were Irish, because when we kind of go away from home, and I was just even saying it to Niall McGinn, it's always, mm. oh my gosh, you're Irish. And I, yeah, that was lovely of him. Yeah, no, really, really nice guy. And I've always gone on well with him um, since, like, now, before I, I retired there a few years ago, um, I was asked by the FAI Stadium TV, was there anyone I, I could think of? Because whoever was to do the interviews for them, that let them down. So I, I rang uh, Paul Murphy at a Sky, and he said, I'll get Niall to go down to you. And Niall came down. You know, he, he didn't have to do that. You know, he was working for Sky. He wasn't working for the FAI or he wasn't working for anyone else. But he came down and did all the, the pre-stuff on the pitch at the start of the game. And again, that's something that I will always say. I, I loved Niall Quinn. Um, this is a huge man. I've just been reading quite a lot about him and I, and I didn't realise that he's had a tough time as well, you know. And it's, it's interesting that somebody will do something that he doesn't have to do and come down and talk to people. On the, on the pitch side. So, yeah, I have a huge amount of respect for Niall, and I can understand how your mother loves him. Well, I was in Crumlin as a baby, and he had his testimonial, like the Sunderland and the Republic of Ireland, and my grand lives in Yorkshire. So we said, you know what we'll do? We'll go over. And just walking around Sunderland, and we had our Irish gear on us, they just yeah. thought so highly of him yeah. and the fact yeah. oh, the this was before like now obviously footballers are giving more and more money to charity and you look at what Mark, Marcus Rashford is doing but back yes. then it wasn't really popular but Niall Quinn was given his proceeds to Crumlin and a hospital over there. I remember that wasn't yeah. it something around a million million yeah. pounds or yeah. something yeah yeah I remember that yeah, he he was a great guy, great footballer. Loved him oh, at you know, he was loved. It's you know, you know, they had a name from disco, yeah, 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 yeah. So like he'd be, he he would have been like, I mean, Richard Dunn. They thought the same. Yeah, they really loved Richard Dunn at City, or we we loved him at at City. And you know it's 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 great and and I to be perfectly honest, my 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 heart is in. I I know you with Celtic and, and Liverpool. <laughs> now I would also be Celtic, not as passionate as you are, yeah. but I'd be passionate City, passionate Bows, passionate Leinster rugby, passionate the oh, Dubs. Yeah. <laughs> and I always remember you ringing me uh, to just remind me that you had won the O'Byrne Cup one. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, I to remember, you know, what seldom was wonderful now down, down in Longford. <laughs> But I remember that so well. And, you know, I, rem- I remember chats that we've had at Daily Mount, you know. And I, and, and I know you loved my, my, my pal, Christy Whelan, Liam Whelan's brother. And, you know, we've had so many great, great, passionate talks about sports, which was brilliant. But isn't it great, though, how sports can bring us together? When you look at the games that you did um, announce in Lansdowne, and you've done some in Crow Park... Yeah, well, I, I... Top of ones there, what would stand out? Well, the, 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 one, the standout one is, um, and it's for historical reasons, um, what was it, February 2007, um, the Ireland-England game in Crow Park. Now, that, that, that was huge because I was at many meetings with the FAI, government people and so on, and they didn't really know what to expect, okay? They didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember them saying to me, what way, you're the announcer, you've done many sports, you've done soccer, rugby, horse, uh, show show jumping, the lot, and and you've you've had English representatives there. How would you handle the, the game Ireland and England? And I said to them, well look, I said, I've I've already spoken, I said, with Pat Kelly, who's the leader of the Garda Band, and uh, Declan, oh, I can't remember his second name, the leader of the Army Band. And I've, I've talked to them about what way we should do this. And we decided that what I would put to the IRFU was that we would say at the start of the game, ladies and gentlemen, you're very welcome to Coke Park for today's historic game between Ireland and England in the Six Nations Championships. The national anthems will be played for us today by the combined army and guard bands. And don't mention anything about anything else. Yes. That's what we did. And like if you listen to um to to or watch YouTube, you will see it that it, it actually came across very, very well. It was professional, and, but listen, I wouldn't expect anything else from you. But as you said, you know, you had to just say that and stop because if you said give respect or something like that and you expected people to give respect. Yes, and, and it was there. I was so, so proud because you know yourself, both of us are GA people and we know what Crow Park means to us. And obviously yep. the, the commemorations back last year with it, but it was just, and I was looking at it the other day, actually I was watching Brian O'Driscoll and he was just on about, you know, Ireland and, you know, the provinces and obviously, you know, Ulster, Ulster players playing for Ireland. And to watch that, and I think the one thing from that Ireland game was John Hayes. And I think, and every time I see John I, welling up, I well up yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, he literally, I, I, I've watched, I watched it this morning. No, I, I don't know why I watched it this morning, but I did. And, and, and I, I can, I can, the, the tears just came to my eyes myself. You know, so it's, uh, it, it was, you, you, you do many events. You know, you do events all around the world, you do events all around Ireland. But there always is, Something that just jumps out as yeah. being the the real 
Biggie, and the real Biggie was that one. Yeah, because when you think of it, before that, you would have been obviously in Lansdowne when McAteer scored that great goal. That's right, against Holland, yeah, yeah. When you think of it, and everything around it, and obviously the, there was so much, and every, the, actually the world was looking at Ireland, and the world was yes. looking at yeah. Park and that, and we done it justice, and then the fact that we beat England as well, just... As well, it, it, was, it was a great day, and you know, I, 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 I had some friends with me there, I had um, the announcer from Munster Rugby with me, uh, because he's a good pal of mine, yeah. and um, we had... You know, teacher who is um, the the announcer for the GAA, Jerry. Isn't yeah, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry was there, and like we were all together. You know, so it was lovely to have all that. And a, a photographer actually sent me a photograph of that day, taken from Hill Sixteen up into the box which I was in at that mm-hmm. time behind the goal. And it's amazing that 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 you can, you know, that that, that this is. Something. And he only sent me this a few weeks ago. Um, a guy called Evan Doherty, he's a, a photographer, said so came across this on my Instagram, and he mm. sent it to me. So amazing, you know, amazing. Uh, obviously, we mentioned um, the horse show, and uh, for people down in Granards, the Aga Khan is up there because um, of any back and like. I- Who's a lovely guy? I grew up listening to these stories, and you know, Ed yeah. was home a few years ago down in the park, and children were standing beside him because their parents had told them who he was. So it must be great for you for Ireland, you know, horse racing and show jumping. That is also it's it's one of our top sports. So to get yeah. an opportunity as well to do an announcement yeah. in our day. Well, well, that, that came across. I suppose the reason for that was I was I was doing Leinster rugby mm-hmm. at the RGS. And um, they, they, they just approached me and they, they asked me, would I be interested in being the kind of presenter for the main arena? So so basically you do, it wouldn't be as trying a job now as, as we say a rugby match or a soccer match or a GAA match or whatever it is. But you had the opportunity to play music which I love. I mean, yes. anyone who knows me knows that music is my passion. Um, so I got the opportunity to play music that I liked. Um, I got the opportunity to talk to people about music that they wanted. You mentioned Eddie Mackin and Eddie Mackin's uh, former wife, Suzanne, uh, and I are good friends and Eddie and herself are great mates. So uh, at one of the horse shows, I it, she actually arranged for Eddie to come in, and we interviewed him live and the uh, in the arena. So, it, you know, a great guy lives in Canada, Canada now. Yeah. So, yeah, so a, a really great guy, and the horse show has become fantastic. Now, I must say, last year, you know, I lost out on a, a few gigs, like I, I lost out on a world karate professional karate championships. Um, I, I lost out on 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 the horse show as well, and it looks as if I could lose out you know, on the horse show again this year because I'm not sure that it, that it's going to go ahead. But again, it's back to the situation. You're 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 so lucky to be in the right place at the right time, and somebody just happens to. You know, Peter Breen of Leinster Rugby just rang me up because of the FAI to ask me would I do Leinster. 
And then Declan O'Brien in the IRFU, because of Benster, rang me up and asked me what I do, the IRFU. So it, it, these things have all fallen into place, and then, and then you have the horror show. So, it, again, you're not going chasing stuff, but just people are just coming along like you would, and, and, and you've got, you know, would you do them, and would you do something on sports talk, you know, would you, and, and this, it's, it's just, it's a wonderful world, uh, and and that's that's the best way I can describe it. Not only here in Ireland, you've had gigs abroad as well. I remember, um, was it you the one was it Poland you went to? I did the first ever World Professional Grassy Championships yeah. in Stechen in Poland. Yeah, a few years ago. Now they are due to be held this year in Dublin. Um, in um. Is it November, October, October, November? Um, so again, um, it's I don't know whether it happened, but it's it's booked. Um, I had an amazing um, trip to uh, Central Park. I don't know whether yes, it, yeah, in America there's a horse as well, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was equestrian, yeah. and I got a phone call from the people who were organising the the equestrian in um, in. Central Park. Now that was actually through Brendan McArdle who works in RTE yeah. and Brendan um, rang me and said look the guys in Central Park want to get in touch with you and, and that happened again you know fantastic all expenses paid. I, I did the year before last I did um, a film festival in Amsterdam so you know, there's been varying things. I've done some of the, some really great concerts. Uh, uh, became friends with Michael Stipe um, in of REM uh, at Lansdowne Road. Had a great time with um, Liam Gallagher at Lansdowne oh, Road as well. Lovely. You know, and, and, and obviously we talked a bit, a little bit about Manchester City for maybe two hours, um, and it was great great fun and we, we we were able to reminisce about the uh, famous Manchester City Gillingham game which was the playoff game that brought us back up to uh, the Premier League and that was in 1999 and ironically it came just after United had won the um, they'd won the, Euro, uh, the Champions League yeah. and, and then City uh, came back from the, the dead against Gillingham and won in extra time and penalties. And again, it's, it's the, you know, you've just offered, I, I, at that particular one, I was, I was actually in the press box for that one at Wembley. So, it, you know, you said to me before we talked, you've had great opportunities. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't thank people enough for the wonderful opportunities that I've been given. But you've had it tough, though, Declan, you know, when you think about... I have, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. The voice box, and I remember when you were telling me that, I was just thinking, because for me, you are the voice. Um, you know, and for, for youngsters that would have went to Lansdowne Road, would have went to Crow Park, Lansdowne, and then obviously the RDS, <clears throat> no disrespect to the person, that your the first game after you had left Lansdowne, uh, my mum sent me a text, that doesn't sound like Declan <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people were kind of comparing it because you had that voice. But when you had your problem with your voice box, it must have been scary. It was frightening. And, and it was frightening for more reasons than one. Um, as you know, Bessie and I are 
very close, okay, my, my wife and I. And my wife was over in um, America with my daughter um, babysitting Tara, our granddaughter. And I was doing the Leinster Rugby Awards in Dublin. And I went up on stage and I, I, I don't think that people would be able to comprehend how, how difficult this was. But I got up on stage and my voice died. It, it, it died on the stage. And it was the most frightening thing that, that I ever came across. And I, and I had to help one of the guys out of Leinster Rugby to do the awards. But, but I wasn't able to talk. And I went to uh, my, my own doctor on, that was a Friday night. I went to the doctor uh, on the Monday and he said to me, um, don't know what it is, but I think it might be just bad laryngitis. So he put me on antibiotics and a week later there was no improvement and he said, I'm worried about this. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm going to talk to um, an ENT guy, friend of mine, out of the matter. And Tiger Dwyer was the guy's name, and, I, and I've got to mention him because he was just incredible. Um, I was staring at not being able to speak. I was at home, and I hadn't told my wife because I didn't want her to be worried over in Florida. And I was able to whisper, and I said, look, I've, I've got, I've got um, laryngitis. So anyway, I ended up um, having five operations over a two-year period. And I was out of action for that long. And um, that man, Ty Gautuar and his team, I can remember one guy there, uh, he was a Malaysian guy, Guan Ku, just the most incredible surgeon, you know, great guy. And they worked and worked and worked on me and they got me back talking again. Um, and I, I, I tell a funny story. Um, he, he said to me, well, which, I, you have a choice. Which do you want to save your speaking voice or your singing voice? Because I used to do a bit of singing as well. And I said, oh, it has to be my, uh, my speaking voice so I can't sing anymore. So that's my my funny joke, but <laughs> an amazing person, Tiger Twerk, just an incredible person. You say that, but I think for a lot of people, I think you are an incredible person. And what I love about you is you are so positive. Yes, there might be things that get you down, but you're so positive. And I love it on, on Facebook and myself and yourself can have the bit of crack. We respect each other and that's what it should be all about. You know, at the end of this day, they say sport is fun and that what it should be well, and well, it's not anymore um, no. Denise it's not and, they, and this worries me and I I probably don't do as much social media now as I did uh, simply because um, the, of the nastiness yeah. that is there and, I, and I'm not sure that um, people like you or I or, or the Bob McKenzie's or, or you know people the Hazel Nolans who are mad passionate sports people um, it's not what we, we were brought up with no. and I, I just don't like it. 
No, because even here, my, my dad's a Leeds fan always. But sometimes it does, as you said, nasty. And it's not just with, with the players, like the way obviously Shane Duffy, James McLean and them, Marcus Rashford are being... Well, I think that's shocking. Supporters, I mean, it really is shocking. Supporters are getting, you know, quite nasty and vicious over games because you could be fighting over something and the next that player that you know you're fighting over could be playing for your, your club next season because my, 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 Bessie will say that to me loads of time oh you're giving out about the dum 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 and I bet you if he was with City next year he'd be the greatest and he says she's right she's right you know that's exactly that's exactly it yeah. but um, as you said you know before we were talking you had said to me about um, it's been fun and isn't that great to say I know your your career, lots of days left with, for you for Declan. But, you know, when you say that, it's fun. And I always say to people about my job, I don't think of it as a job. It's more like a hobby. It's not a job. Yeah, we're blessed. Yeah, it's not a job. Where, where would you get a job that you're going to watch some of the greatest footballers or hurlers or rugby players yeah. in the world and you're getting paid for doing it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Not not well paid as everyone thinks. But well, well, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I would have to say that, that certain areas of mine were, 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 were good paying jobs. But, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I did off the ball and in in news job for six months at one stage. You know, people mightn't remember that. But I, I was doing that on a, on a Friday night until I started to do Leinster Rugby. So I had to give that up, you know, because they were Friday night matches in in, in the old uh, Donnybrook because that's where, that's where I started in rugby, in the old Donnybrook. And to think now that if Lent, if supporters are allowed back, Leinster's games now, the Aviva... Because there, there's there's so much interest, but you know what though? I know people kind of would say about about COVID, and we are in strange times. But for a lot of people, having that little bit of sport on the television, it kind of gives us something. It gives us a relief. It gives something to look forward to, doesn't it? You know, and and I must say now, I um I I I love. I mean, I was brought to Croke Park when I was a kid by my dad again. I, I keep going back to my dad because he had such a, uh, an influence on me in, in sport. And we used to go down, and it didn't matter who were playing. At that time, all the Leinster Championship games were played at Croke Park. And it didn't matter if Wicklow were playing Longford or Carlo were playing Meath or whoever it was. Dad and I went down to the canal end because we were we, we lived on the North Circular Road so you go straight down you're onto the canal rather than down the hill so I wouldn't have been a hill supporter I would have been a canal supporter and you know you you, you, you take it from there and you're going on and it's it's built into you it's something that's there but again like I'm going to say to you, would you have expected when you were going to see Granard play that eventually you'd be writing about it? No. See, this is it. It's just we have been very, very lucky. And, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I was, I've been a very lucky guy. You've also been very good. And what I like about you, you know, you have that talent. Do you know that we could probably sit and talk? And we've done it, Declan. We have talked a lot, a lot of hours, you know, and we, we could do, we could do it again. I know that you um, would put up bits on on Facebook, and uh, you have something in the pipeline. Yes, I'm. Well, I'm writing a book, um, and one of one of one of my colleagues who you would know very very well, um, Colin Durvin. Yes. 
has been pushing me for a long time. And um, we, we have decided that I have 150 of the series that I did in the star of all different people from, you know, whether it be uh, hurling football, rugby, uh, equestrian, uh, world basketball players. And Carl says, I want you to write the book, but I will help you on one condition that you lead with the day that you spent with Pele. And that's the project that I'm working on at the moment. Well, I tell you, I cannot wait. I'll be first in the queue and I'll bring it to Daily Mount. Please, God, when supporters can go back and I'll be bringing it to Daily Mount and I'm saying, here, Declan King, be absolutely fantastic. And, and it's, it's been Carl that's pushed me, you know. It's been an absolute pleasure having this chat. Please, God, we can have a chat um, about the book when it does come out. We'd absolutely love to do it, you know. Uh, we, go, we go back a long time. Oh, and, uh, uh, we won't say too long. We won't say too long.